That is a lot of kids. I expect you all to be a choir rehearsal in the next five years. I have your names. Good morning, everybody. And uh, welcome to the house of the Lord today. Uh, if you are a visitor with us, if you've, if, you, uh, if you've been with us for the last six months or so, uh, we just want to welcome you today to Friends Sunday, and, uh, and we want you to join us for, for a lunch right after the service. We'd love to get to know you some more, and, uh, and so if you're new with us, uh, we'll, we'll see you then. Uh, you know, this morning, our prayer is that you would be challenged enough to consider becoming a Christian. Because if this man, Jesus, who he was, who he said he was, if this, if this man named Jesus really died for me on that cross, if this man named Jesus really rose again from the dead, then that holds some implications for your life. And that holds some implications for my life. And, and it holds implications enough for us to consider following Jesus. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the events that followed the crucifixion of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 24, and we'll read from verse 13 onwards, Luke 24, 13. You'll remember that Jesus was uh, moving about in the north, up in Galilee, and, uh, and he was doing these great miracles, and, uh, and he begins to make his way down to Jerusalem, and all the while he's asking people to follow him. And his followers, they're full of hope, and they're expecting that this Jesus was going to be their king, right? They had hope that Jesus would make the people of Israel prosperous again. They hoped that Jesus would come in and get rid of the Roman rulers after all, this Jesus was going to be their Messiah. And so Jesus comes into town, and he's riding on a donkey, and the people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And the people are so hopeful, and the people are so expectant that Jesus would get rid of their enemies. And all of a sudden, everything changes on that Friday afternoon, and the Son of God hung cold and lifeless on that cross. And so now, those who follow Jesus have all of their hopes dashed and all of their expectations of who Jesus is is ruined. And so now, after the death of Jesus, we find the disciples, they're, they're full of doubt and they're full of disappointment and they're full of confusion and they begin to scatter in fear. All of a sudden, on that Sunday morning, some women... They went to that tomb where they found the stone rolled away, and they went in. When they went in, they didn't find the body of Jesus. And at the very same time, there's these two followers of Jesus who they probably lost some hope and they lost some faith, and now they left Jerusalem and now they're heading towards home. And this is where we pick up the story, starting at verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. They were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still and their faces were downcast. 
And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened these days? Which is kind of funny because he's the only one that knew what was happening in Jerusalem. And Jesus goes on to say, what things about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet full of uh, power. He was a, a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, and they didn't find his body. And they came and they told us they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found, found it as the women had said, and they didn't see Jesus. You know, here are these two guys, and they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from all of the events that happen in Jerusalem, and they're sad, right? Their faces were downcast, and you begin to wonder if they had some doubts about the claims that were being made about this resurrected Jesus. I mean, maybe, maybe this whole thing was a hoax. Maybe somebody created the story so that Jesus would become a legend, Right, they probably decided that the best thing for us to do right now is to turn from all of that and go back to our old lives. And so they begin to walk back home to a place called Emmaus. And so I wonder this morning, how many of us have these doubts of who Jesus really is? I mean, did he really rise from the dead? Is he who he really said he was? I mean, what difference can Jesus really make in my life today? A few of us, we, uh, we had the opportunity this last November to visit what's believed to be the location of the empty tomb. And, uh, man, it was such an awesome trip. And, and I couldn't help but think how amazing it is that so many of us believe in a resurrected living Jesus without even thinking about the evidence that exists. And so this morning, I want to assure you that the Spirit of Jesus didn't just go up to heaven. And this isn't some conspiracy that's created by his followers. And the gospel writers were not just making up some kind of a fairy tale, but the actual physical body of Jesus was resurrected and is no longer in that tomb. In fact, if you start to look at historical writings outside of Scripture, everyone in the ancient world agreed the tomb was empty. So how did it get empty? I mean, Rome was tired of dealing with Jesus. They were tired of, of all of the controversies that followed Jesus. And so these guys, they set up guards to guard that tomb to be sure that nobody stole the body. And so we know that Rome had nothing to do with that empty tomb because Rome needed Jesus to be dead. So you start thinking about those Jewish authorities. Well, they're the ones that made sure that he was executed in the first place. We already know that they didn't have anything to do with that empty tomb because they needed Jesus to stay dead. Because if his body was not resurrected, 
The Jesus movement would have been ended quickly by them taking the body and parading it around Jerusalem. But how do you do that if there's no body? So when they hear that the tomb is empty, the Jewish leaders, they, they make up some stories, right? And they say that his disciples must have stolen the body. But, you know, stealing the body of Jesus just doesn't make any sense. Because the disciples run the risk of being tortured to death over a lie. And if there's anything we know about these guys, it's that on their own, they're too cowardly to do anything like that. So the disciples have nothing to do with this empty tomb. So you start to think about the gospel writers. I mean, are they really credible people? I mean, how do we know that they're, they're not just making up some story? And maybe you've asked yourself that question. Maybe your friends have asked that question. Maybe your professors in school question how valid the, the truth is that's written in the gospels. You ever think to yourself, maybe the gospel writers are making up a story? Well, if that's the case, there's something that they all account for that actually doesn't add up. These writers report that it was women who discovered the empty tomb. You ever wonder why women were the first ones at that empty tomb? You ever wonder why women were the first eyewitnesses of Jesus? I mean, it's such a male-dominated culture. It's such a chauvinistic society. Why did all of the gospel writers report that it was women who found this tomb empty? You know, in the first century Jewish and Roman culture, the testimony of women wasn't even considered reliable. Women weren't allowed to testify in a court of law because their word wasn't trustworthy. And so if the writers of the New Testament were just making things up, and if they really wanted people to buy into the story, they never would have included the fact that women found the tomb empty unless women found the tomb empty. So if the writers of the New Testament are making up the story, women being the first eyewitnesses actually hurts their case if they make up the story. They would have said that Peter was the first one at that tomb. They would have said, John, he ran into the tomb and found that tomb empty. Some man would have been the hero in their story and found that tomb empty. If you're making up a story, you would never include details that are going to embarrass you. If you're going to make up a story, you would never include details uh, to discredit what you're saying unless those were the events that actually happened. The gospel writers didn't just make this up. They were simply reporting the truth the way that it happened and letting the chips fall wherever they may. And so I want to tell you this morning that the tomb of Jesus was empty because Jesus physically returned from the dead. And here are these two travelers, and they've lost all hope in this Jesus and they begin walking away from this incredible event that happens with the resurrection of Jesus. And they go back to their old ways, and they go back to their old life. They're heading home, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them, but they don't recognize him. And Jesus says to them, well, 
How foolish are you? Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And so beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And so as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going on further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was with them at the table, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned to Jerusalem at once and they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and these two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke bread. Here are two people who, even though they've seen the miracles from Jesus, even though they've heard that Jesus is alive, they're they're full of disappointment. And they're full of questions, and they've lost all hope, and they're beginning to lose their faith And so they begin their journey back to their old village, back to their old life. And I want to ask you this question this morning. Are any of you disappointed with God? Are you disappointed with Jesus this morning? Maybe you're here today and you have a whole lot of questions about the situations that you're finding yourself in this morning. Maybe it's been quite a while since you've actually hoped for something. In verse 19, our two travelers, they begin speaking with this stranger, and they tell this person that this Jesus was a prophet. They say that he was powerful in word, that he was powerful indeed before God and all of the people. And they keep using this phrase, he was. Right? You see, they refer to Jesus in the past tense, because at this point in their life, Jesus wasn't relevant to their present situation. Maybe you're here today, and Jesus was more of a past reality for you. Maybe your parents took you to church when you were a kid and brought you to Sunday school, or maybe you attended VBS or some kids' camp. Maybe at, at, at some point in your life, You were introduced to Jesus, but somewhere along the road, there was some kind of a pain, some kind of an ache, some kind of a a brokenness. Maybe you prayed and you asked God for something, some healing, some provision, some kind of an action, some response that you never got an answer to, and now you're disappointed with Jesus, and you've lost all hope. Maybe you're beginning to lose some faith. Or for whatever reason, at this point in your life, it seems like Jesus is not a present reality for you. And if you find yourself in that boat today, I want to tell you that this story that we've read in Scripture, man, it brings us such great hope. Because the fact is that just because these two followers didn't recognize Jesus, it didn't mean that he wasn't there. 
It didn't mean that Jesus was absent from their needs. It, it didn't mean that Jesus didn't care about their sorrow or their pain. It didn't mean that he wasn't concerned about their feelings of loneliness. It didn't mean that he wasn't concerned about the questions that they had. And this morning, just because you can't see him, it doesn't mean that he isn't there for you. Just because you can't recognize him in your situation, it doesn't mean that he's not concerned about the questions that you might have. Just because you don't notice him, it doesn't mean that he isn't concerned about the feelings of loneliness that you might be feeling this morning. And so I want you to know that Jesus is still here. He is that unseen stranger walking alongside of us, and he is listening to us, and he is working, and he is moving behind the scenes. And if we are willing to take some time and speak to him and ask him our questions, and if we would take the time to hear his voice, he will be faithful to reveal himself to us. So this morning, do you recognize him walking alongside of you? Do you recognize Jesus walking alongside of you in your pain and in your grief and in your heartache and throughout your questions when things aren't going well for you? Do you, do you recognize Jesus with you? I want to remind you that God's ways aren't always obvious to us. Now, I don't understand why we go through pain, and I don't understand the heartaches that we face. I don't understand why our prayers aren't always answered the way that we expect it to be. But I want to encourage you this morning, just like these two travelers did, begin to have a conversation with Jesus. And be open about the situation that you're in. Be open about the problems that you might be facing this morning. Tell them about your hurt. Tell them about your pains. Tell them about the grief that you might be going through. And if you can do that sincerely, when the time is right, he will show himself strong. You know, the last thing that I want to tell you about this morning is about this meal that, uh, that we've read about at the end of this section of Scripture. You remember earlier on, Luke tells us that their eyes were prevented from recognizing Jesus. So these two friends, they still don't know that this stranger is Jesus. But these two followers are so encouraged by the stranger that they invited this stranger to stay the night. And Jesus accepts their offer, and he breaks bread with them. And they have fellowship together, and their relationship grows through this meal and through their conversation and through spending time together. And so I want to ask you today, have you considered inviting Jesus into your life? I mean, have you considered inviting Jesus into your heart? Ha- have you considered becoming a follower of Jesus? You know, Cleopas and his companion, they, they listen intently to Jesus and, and they invite him into their home and they invited Jesus to be a part of their lives. And when they did that, that's when their eyes were opened and that's when Jesus became this present reality for them.
And there's some people here this morning who are struggling, searching for some answers in your life. Maybe you're struggling, looking for some peace in your life. Maybe you're struggling and you're looking for some meaning and purpose and and fulfillment in your life. And today, if you invite Jesus into your life, he will give you the peace that you were longing for. Man, he will give you the strength that you need today. He will bring purpose and meaning and fulfillment in your life, and he will do something amazing. He will give you a fresh new start. And like the two that were on the road to Emmaus, you never need to be alone again because Jesus is working and he is moving behind the scenes and he's trying to reveal himself to you. He hasn't left you and he never will. He's been there all along, but are you willing to see him? And do you recognize him? You know, Jesus deeply longs for all of us to walk with him and he wants us to be in close fellowship with him. He wants us to have this great friendship, this great companionship, this great relationship with him. He longs for each of us to be close to him so he can reveal his plans to us, so he can reveal his purposes to us so that we can experience life abundant. So this morning, do you believe in the message of Scripture? Do you believe what it says about Jesus, about his life and his ministry? Do you believe what it says about his death on the cross? Do you believe in this resurrection of Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you're asking yourself this morning, well, what does the empty tomb have to do with my present reality? And there is something compelling about the reality of Jesus And it's in the people that you're sitting with this morning. Because only Jesus can bring over 30 nations together on a Sunday morning to sit here and worship him in unity the way that he does. And and there are people here who they were on the path of destruction. But when Jesus came into their hearts and into their lives, everything changed. I mean, you're sitting among some former drug addicts and some former drug dealers, but because of Jesus in their lives, they no longer deal and they no longer use. I mean, we've had deacons who were ex-cons who were in jail, but because because of Jesus in their lives are no longer on the path of destruction, but now they have these healthy lives with healthy families and an abundance of life. And because of Jesus, I want to tell you something. I've seen marriages reconciled. I've seen people set free. I've seen healings happen that science can never explain, all because of the life of Jesus in a person. So what are you going to do with what you believe about Jesus? For those of you who know this Jesus and have asked him into your heart and into your life, what are you doing about the knowledge of the resurrected one? The two travelers, they they ran back and they told everyone they could about their experiences with Jesus. I want to tell you, there's a lost, hurt, and dying world out there waiting to hear the truth 
of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do for them. For those of you who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I mean, will you invite him to come and live in your heart? Will you decide to be one of his followers today? I mean, maybe you're just like these two travelers. You, you're, you've been coming here for some time, and, 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 and some of these things about Jesus are beginning to make some sense, and you're beginning to see some changes in your life because you're seeing and watching Jesus do some incredible things in your heart and in your life and in the lives of the people around you. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to invite Jesus into your heart because he wants to reveal greater plans for your life. So this morning, I'm going to ask if the prayer team would come forward at this time. Prayer team, would you come to the front? And with every eye closed and with every head bowed, this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart and to invite Jesus into your life. And I know it's not an easy decision, but it's a decision that will change your life for the better. And it's a decision that will bring purpose and it will bring meaning and it will bring fulfillment into your life. And all you need to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart, ask Jesus to come into your life, Tell him that you're sorry for your sins. Tell him that you need his help to turn away from your sins. Tell him that you believe that he died for your sins on the cross and that you believe that he rose again from the dead. And if you can sincerely do that this morning, then we welcome you into the family of God. This morning, maybe you've known Jesus for some time. But because of some situations that you might be facing, you feel as though he's not around. Maybe because of some heartache, maybe some because of some pain, some unanswered prayer. And I want to tell you that he's right here. He's just waiting for you to talk to him. Waiting for you to talk to him about your disappointments. He's waiting for you to talk to him about all of your questions. He's waiting for you to talk to him about all of these things that are going on in your life. Because the truth is, is that God wants to set our hearts on fire. And he wants to give us a burning passion for him and for life. We just need to learn how to recognize him in our present situations. So this morning, I'm going to ask that we all stand together. We're going to spend just a little more time here in worship. Would you begin just to talk to him? Talk to him about your worries. Talk to him about your fears. Talk to him about your anxieties. Just begin to be open and honest with him about all the things that you might be struggling with this morning. If we can do that sincerely and if we can just wait on him, reveal himself to you and he will become a present reality in your situation.
asking Jesus to come into your heart and into your life. We'd love to pray with you. One of our altar, altar team members would pray with you. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one and help you on your journey with the Lord. For those of you who have rededicated your heart and rededicated your lives to the Lord, I just want to welcome you back home. One of our altar team, prayer team members would love to pray with you. If you have a need this morning, one of our prayer team members would love to believe with you for that need, especially if you have a healing. We want to believe in a healing for you today. So as we sing this song one more time, you just make your way down to these altars. Bless you this morning. Have a great week. Because.